Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Germany in Focus, a podcast brought to you by The Local. This week, we're going to talk about why people could see more money in their wage slip after tax, the latest on the 49 euro ticket and other changes happening in Germany in April. And the king is in town. No, not Elvis, but King Charles has been making his first foreign visit to Germany this week. So we'll get into the significance of that and the German royal connections. Many of our listeners have come to Germany to study. So we'll talk about what that means when applying for citizenship. And the coalition government has been having a bit of a breakdown. We'll try and explain what's going on behind closed doors. Does small talk really exist in Germany? I'll be checking back in with an etiquette expert to find out. And lastly, we'll talk about some of the cultural things that are starting to change in Germany and some of those that will probably never change. I'm Rachel Loxton and I'm in Berlin today with journalists Sarah McGill and Aaron Burnett. Hello to you both. Hi, Rachel. How are you both doing? Good. It's great to be back in the booth. Welcome back. Had to have Sarah back in the booth. That's always awesome as well. And uh, it is almost April. You would never know it with the weather outside. The weather yeah, I'm is kind of over that. It's such typical German spring weather. Uh huh. It's know? very like inconsistent. Snow, sun, wind, thunder. I heard the other day. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm waiting for the proper sun. Like, let's go to lakes <laughs> soon. Yeah, you'll be waiting a while. Um, <laughs> so we are recording this on Wednesday, March the 29th. We are looking ahead to the new month. So let's get straight into it, guys, and talk about some of the big changes coming up in April in Germany. Let's start with the 49 euro public transport ticket. What's the latest update on that, Sarah? Well, it's exciting. It's uh, It's been touch and go for a while when it would launch, whether it would launch. It was originally supposed to kick off in January, but now it's going to start in May. But tickets will go on sale nationwide through the Deutsche Bahn app on April the 3rd. So those who can't wait to get their hands on that ticket can do that from next week. The public transport apps in Berlin and Frankfurt and some other cities have also already got the tickets on sale. But for some groups of people, it might be worth holding off on buying the ticket as some states are still working on further discounts for students and pensioners, for example, also for employees. But in Berlin, they're discussing whether or not to reintroduce the 29 euro monthly ticket for just travel inside the city. So if you don't really travel much outside of Berlin, it might be worth holding on to see if that offer becomes a reality. And also, it's important if you already have a subscription, check with your local provider if you need to cancel that in advance before you buy the new ticket. But it's generally good news. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. And it's good. So you'll be able to travel on all local, public and regional transport in Germany, but not on the high speed trains, right? Exactly. Yeah. Cool. 
Okay, and we also have some good news when it comes to tax. Is that right, Aaron? That is right, Rachel. You are going to get to keep more of your hard-earned money because the tax-free allowance uh, is going up. Now, some of these allowances they were passed some time ago, but April is the first month that you're going to see it on your pay stub. The basic tax-free amount, so how much you earn before you pay tax, is up a little over 500 euros to just under 11,000 euros per year. The top tax rate of 42% in Germany also used to apply to incomes from about 58 and a half thousand euros. That's an approximate number, by the way.、Mm-hmm. Uh, that's now going up to 62,800. 10 euros. Plus, the tax office here generally assumes that even employees have to pay a little something every year to promote themselves. Maybe you have a LinkedIn subscription, maybe you have a website, those sorts of things. And the tax office assumes this. They don't even require proof from you up to a certain amount that you spend this money. They assume and give you a credit of 1,200 euros a year at the moment. Now that is going to go up by 30 euros a year to 1230. Finally, single parents get an additional tax-free allowance in Germany, and that's increasing to 4260 euro for people with one child. Each additional child a single parent has increases that allowance by an extra 240 euros. Good stuff. So people will see that in their April payslip, but freelancers obviously they would see this at a later date. Yeah. So you'll. Employees will see that right,、uh, or should see that right on their April payslip, and there's a little bit of extra money in your account left over because of that tax allowance. Freelancers will、uh, obviously have to claim this、uh, at the end when you file your 2023 tax return, which will be next year. So it will take some time, but it is、uh, there and on the books. Good to know. Any other important changes that we should know about next month? Yeah, there's plenty. So the gay blood ban is ending in Germany, and And anyone,、uh, whether gay or straight, cis or trans, in Germany will be allowed to donate blood starting from April. There are still restrictions in place based on certain activities, but not in general.、Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the lights are going back on as energy-saving measures end.、Uh, these had previously mandated certain public buildings to go dark at night. These are ending with Germany getting energy from sources other than Russia.、Uh, with winter ending, with gas storage still quite. Full as winter ends,、uh, so those are out, and it may be some news to some people who haven't necessarily encountered this in everyday life. But the remaining COVID rules the country has are ending. Yes, I know.、Oh, um, which rules? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly it's a, what I was it's, thinking. It's a good question. I mean,、uh, masks on public transport was one of the last things to go in February, but there are still,、uh, at the moment at least, mandatory masks in certain places. Basically, whenever you get in. Contact with the health system, a doctor's office, hospitals, care homes, this sort of thing. On April seventh, the country's general sort of infection protection act will expire, and those rules will go. It will then be up to individual practices or clinics or doctors whether they ask you to put on a mask or not. But there is not a general. 
law from the government that says that you will have to have one anymore from April 7th. Yeah, and another thing that's changing, which is relevant for people learning to drive in Germany, is that there'll be 44 new questions added to the driving theory test. Quite a few of these are like the little video questions where you have to watch a traffic situation and then answer like, what's the, the best way to react. And it's quite interesting. I had a look at some of these and it seems they're adapting to maybe the changing reality of traffic in cities. Like there was one question, like, what do you do if the traffic traffic light isn't working here and then a jogger is coming in the other direction. These these mm-hmm. kind of things. Yeah, like very much needed in Berlin. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely <Yeah>. needed. <laughs> or if, other if cities. If you walk or bike anywhere in this town especially or other places. Thank you both so much for those updates. Britain's King Charles III has this week started his first official foreign visit with a trip to Germany. Actually, he was meant to go to France first, but that was postponed due to the protests against pension reform going on there. So he arrived in Berlin on the day we record, that's Wednesday, and he was also set to go to Brandenburg and Hamburg during a three-day tour. Adam, what's the significance of this visit? Well, it is his first state visit as king. He hasn't even had his coronation yet, right? Now, that honor now goes to Germany rather than France. We were to be the second visit, as you mentioned, but now we are the first stop. So, sorry, France, I realize we have strikes too, but apparently yours are still worse than ours. Yeah, uh, despite... I, th- I think they are. <laughs> Have you seen the videos? (laughs) Yeah, despite Monday's mega strike that happened here. Now, German President Frank-Walter Steinmeier has called this an important European gesture, which alludes to a big reason why the British government wants to send King Charles here, and that's bridge building to old European allies after Brexit. Now, after military honors here in Berlin in front of the Brandenburg Gate, no less, and that's a first for any official visitor. He's off to Brandenburg uh, to visit a German-British military unit and then to Hamburg to tour a renewable energy project. King Charles is also the first reigning British monarch to address the German Bundestag. He does speak German as well. He did, in 2020, while he was still Prince Charles, Mm -hmm. speak to the German Bundestag before and actually use some German in his speech. But this is the first speech by a reigning monarch. Mm, Interesting. Yeah, and, and the British royal family's history is linked to Germany, right? Yes, so King Charles has several German cousins, actually, including some quote unquote German royals. Now, I say that (laughs) with a quote-unquote, because the German monarchy was officially abolished uh, a century ago. But German media sometimes still paints the descendants of German rulers as prince or princess. And some of these people are indeed cousins to Charles, who scored invites to his state dinner with President Steinmeier. So on Charles's mother's side, Queen Victoria was grandmother to a lot of European royalty. Her granddaughter was actually Alexandra, uh, the German princess who eventually became Russian Tsarina and died uh, quite brutally in the Russian Revolution. The new king's father, Prince Philip, had four sisters, and all four of them actually married into German royalty. One died in a plane crash in 1937. Uh, Fans of the crown might remember this particular scene. And the other three were banned, actually, from coming to Prince Philip's wedding 
with Queen Elizabeth II in 1947, just two years after World War II. So the fact that King Charles's current German relatives got invites to his state dinner certainly has some symbolism attached. Yeah, that kind of signifies something quite big, doesn't it? It certainly seems like just one of those little small pieces of mm-hmm. evidence of, you know, reconciliation, how things are have you know, obviously changed a lot in 60 years. And despite everything, including uh, Brexit, which, of course, many people in Germany and the government would rather wish didn't happen for obvious reasons, including many of our listeners who are living here, that those uh, ties uh, are still there and are still strong, which is a big point of this whole visit. Do we have any idea of how popular the British royal family is in Germany? Well, a good half of Germans uh, apparently describe themselves as fans of the British royal family. Uh, We should note here, too, that Charles's mother, Queen uh, Elizabeth's death, received a moment of silence in the Bundestag when it happened last fall, and that German media tended to refer to her not as Die Königin, which would, of course, be the the German version, but simply as Die Queen. So, and they would use this in German articles as well. You know, they would use this little example of Denglish to refer to the Queen. She was very popular here, making five state visits during her reign. Now, that is one of the highest totals for any country that is not actually in the British Commonwealth. Berlin newspapers in particular still talk about her visit in 1965, which was only 20 years after World War II. She saw the wall for herself during that visit. She's fondly remembered here, and the big question is whether Charles will be similarly well-received here. And as Aaron mentioned, Germany did have its own royal family fairly recently in modern history. Can you tell us about that, Sarah, and what happened to them? Yeah, so Prussia and then Germany had the kings of the Hohenzollern family from the 17th century, and they ruled up until the early 20th century. The last German Kaiser or king was Wilhelm II, another grandson of Queen Victoria, whose aggressive foreign policy ultimately led to the kickoff of the First World War. He abdicated at the end of the war and fled to the Netherlands, where he was able to live out the rest of his life quite peacefully. So he had a much softer exit than some other European royal families like the French and the Russians. And there are still a few Hohenzollerns kicking around in Germany today. The current head of the family is Georg Friedrich Ferdinand, who is the great-great-grandson of Wilhelm II and is... Uh, is currently the Prince of Prussia. That's his official title. He is, I mean, yeah, I mean, he doesn't really have any power or he's kind of a minor celebrity. He was educated at a Scottish boarding school, Rachel. And... uh, (laughs) Just like Prince Philip and Prince Charles. Exactly, yeah. The Scottish education is... um, a favourite amongst the, the, the is, royals. Yeah. Well, and uh, as Sarah said, minor celebrity. While it, it doesn't give you any power, it is enough to get you some notoriety, including, depending on your age or your life situation, sometimes a, a lovely little article in Bild about how you eligible of a bachelor you are if oh, you are yeah. a member of one of those descended royal families. I get the Germany. picture. So maybe like B-list celebrities. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Great. Thanks so much. That was super interesting to find out about that. 
Let's move on. Lots of people first come to Germany to study at one of the many universities here, maybe to complete a master's course or something like that, and many of them end up staying long term. So this week, we looked at what foreign students should be aware of if they want to apply for German citizenship. So Sarah, first of all, Germany is a really popular destination for foreign students. Why is that? Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, Germany currently has over 400,000 international students in higher education, putting it up there with the UK and the US and Canada as one of the most popular destinations for foreign students. And there are a few reasons why Germany is so popular. First of all, it has very uh, low cost or even free education. Nearly all public universities in Germany introduced tuition free education in 2014. So a lot of courses come with only a very small charge of around 200 euros per semester, which is is obviously a massively attractive factor. There's relatively affordable cost of living for students, depending, of course, where you study. A recent statistic from 2021 said that an international student only needs approximately €930 Euros per month to live comfortably. Also, German universities are at the forefront of innovation and science. And also, Germany is Europe's biggest economy. So a lot of students come here hoping that once they've completed their studies, they will be able to stay here and work. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. One of the questions we've had from readers is, does the time spent studying in Germany count towards the years of residence that you need to apply for German citizenship? It seems that it does, but this question has likely been raised because in the past, some states such as Saxony and Bavaria used to apply the rule that only half of the time spent studying would count when applying for citizenship. So if you'd been studying for four years, they would only recognise two years of that as having been resident in Germany when it came to applying for citizenship. But the Federal Administrative Court later found that there was no legal basis for applying this rule, and an immigration lawyer told us that that's no longer the case, which means that the total years of completed study would count towards the years of residency. Can you apply for citizenship while you're studying? Uh, Well, generally, no. Non-EU students with a student visa aren't allowed to apply for naturalisation even if they fulfil all the other requirements uh, for becoming a German citizen. The immigration lawyer that we spoke to advised students to change their status as soon as they finish studying, for example, by applying for a skilled workers visa. Then once they get the new residence title, then they can apply for citizenship. For students from the EU or from the UK who are entitled to EU-style residence after Brexit, in theory, for them, there's nothing stopping them applying for citizenship. But in reality, it might be more difficult as a student to satisfy all the other requirements, such as proving that you really have the centre of your life in Germany when you have these long semester breaks or that you're able to support yourself. But if you are a student and you're thinking of applying for citizenship, it's definitely a good idea to get some legal advice before you embark on that process. Yeah, good point. And is there anything that we know is changing for students or people who came to Germany to study in the new planned citizenship law reform? Well, Rach, we have uh, at the local seen this draft law. And this is the law that is being circulated to ministries within the government for consultation. So why do I mention that? Because it could change. 
Uh, it could change also when it hits the Bundestag and is discussed in parliamentary committee. But so far, we have not seen anything uh, in that law that specifically mentions anything being different for students than the rules that exist currently. In general, though, a few things uh, that might be beneficial for students to know. For one, the wait time for general citizenship is going down from eight years to five years. This is the amount of time that you need to, need to have been resident in Germany before applying for citizenship. But there is a fast track option. Right now, that fast track option is six years. You can apply after six years of residence by passing a German language test of a bit higher level. So that's typically a B2 language test. This is changing in that the language test that's required will be harder, so C1. But the wait time will go down, so to about three years. Um, and you ha also have to prove some special integration. That could be through academic achievement. That's one of the things that is mentioned in the draft law as being grounds for being able to apply for this fast-track citizenship if you have the C1-level language skills that it takes. Now, uh, a lot of German universities already require you to pass a B2 or a C1 or even a C2 language test to be able to study there. And a lot of students obviously have excellent German language skills by the time they're done. So this is already something that might count in your favor if you uh, want to apply for citizenship quickly under the new law. Absolutely. And also really good to know that with the dual citizenship, hopefully being allowed in future that you wouldn't have to give up your previous citizenship. I imagine that's a big thing for students as well. Absolutely. Keeping the, the link to home, for example, and especially at that point in your life when you are looking, you have the potential to go all over the place for opportunities, including back home, if that's what you choose to do. Yep. Great. Thank you both. And we will link to a story in the show notes with more information on that. Germany's coalition government, made up of the Social Democrats, the Greens and the Free Democrats, has been put to the test a number of times since they came to power, dealing with major events like Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the subsequent energy crisis. But a new divide has hit the government in the last week, and it's an internal one. So it seems like Economic and Climate Minister Robert Habeck... Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss from the Greens is pretty unhappy, even accusing his coalition partners of blocking progress. Aaron, what is going on here? Well, he's not the only one who's unhappy, Rach, uh, to yeah? start with. Yeah. Um, the Ampel Coalition, or the traffic light, uh, named for the three colours the parties use, basically had a 
big group therapy session (laughs) that lasted for several days to iron out some disputes. Uh, The big disputes are between the Greens and the Liberal FDP, but Schultz and the Social Democrats get pulled in too, particularly over support for Ukraine or have over the last more than a year that uh, Ampel's now been in, in government. Habeck, as you say, accuses them of blocking progress. The FDP's deputy chief, Wolfgang Kubicki, though, compared Habeck to Vladimir Putin oh. uh, recently. Uh, he accused the Greens of being paternalistic. Basically, that's a fancy way of saying that the Greens believe the state knows better than the people what's good for them <laughs> and that they are willing to, you know, pass these stringent laws to make people do certain things like mm-hmm. car bans or speed limits or, or whatever that they really don't believe in. Where are these disputes happening? And, well, really, over just about everything. (laughs) I mean, whether it's reforming pensions, European plans to ban cards with internal combustion starting in 2035, whether infrastructure spending should privilege climate projects or new motorways because the Autobahn is falling apart, for example. A lot, really. They've essentially spent three days ironing these out behind closed doors to chart a new way forward. So far, we're hearing that the parties have reached an accord on climate. The goal for Germany is to be carbon neutral by 2045. That stays in place. Wind and solar planning permission is to be made a little bit easier, but there's a bit of a flexibility. For example, if one sector falls short of climate goals, another can make up for it, for example. I mean, let's see how long this new kumbaya piece lasts, basically. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, how damaging is this for Chancellor Olaf Scholz of the the SPD and and the coalition in general? Well, it wouldn't be the first time in German politics that certain coalition partners have had a tough time getting on or even you know, hate each other. <laughs> what is unusual about this one is uh, that it's it's not so common in Germany to see disagreements like this play out so publicly, like c- calling your coalition partner, comparing him with Putin, for example. Mm, yeah. And although support for the traffic light has already been dwindling, if an election were held today, that coalition probably wouldn't get a majority, uh, even when it's all combined together. That's a concern for any party leader, including the chancellor, as the government tries to put through more progressive legislation, uh, whether that's on climate, transport, or yes, something that we often talk about at the local and love to talk about, dual citizenship. The conservative Christian Democrats could very easily win the next election, and they uh, oppose a lot of this progressive legislation, including, as we have discussed before, dual citizenship. So there's not a lot of time, or there's limited time, to be able to really get a lot of this legislation through before they very likely could come back. Maybe that explains why they were so long in the discussions. Like they would they mm. would talk about 30 hours. They were sitting in this room for 30 hours, which I think yeah. to us non-Germans sounds quite mad, really. Like, yeah, how, what how... were they doing in there? Did they have I sleeping I have to share a room bags? with you two for two hours every week. <laughs> <laughs> and it's terrible for you, Adam. Joke, Joking. <laughs> no, this is a place of love. But 30 hours, yeah. I mean, you need some endurance to be a German politician. Absolutely. Like, I mean, some discussions I heard were exactly making that point that it's like an endurance test like those who can't stay awake for 30 hours end up losing the debate so I guess the the Greens Robert Harbeck has got some staying power yeah well Angela Merkel a previous uh, German chancellor was famous for this especially at European summits often reporters would remark about how fresh-faced she looked in the morning with no sleep after an all-night European negotiation compared to her counterparts mm-hmm. and I mean she had the reputation for getting a lot of what she she wanted <laughs> during these negotiations and people weren't 
sure how she had that, as Sarah says, that big endurance. So it almost seems to be like a tradition that is practiced because of of German politics uh, when you're constantly negotiating. Yeah, I feel like Germans have been training for it their whole lives, though, with like the techno clubs, the like whole weekends <laughs> up all night. I feel like they're ready for the the thirty hour. <laughs> Debates. You heard it here. Um, a trip to Bergheim prepares you for German politics. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, they do seem to be coming up with some resolutions. So I guess these marathon talks do work somehow. It's like you don't leave the room until you reach a decision. Yeah, there's definitely something in it. Thanks, guys. As our regular listeners and readers of The Local will be aware, we like to try and understand the ins and outs of life in Germany. One topic that comes up a lot is small talk and communication because, you know, there are some cultural differences. Do you guys ever experience small talk in Germany? Well, I have to say I didn't used to until I joined a gym which has a lot of pensioners as members and they <laughs> love a little chat. But outside of the gym, I, I, I don't really have much much small talk with people. I don't miss small talk that much, if I'm honest. I, yeah. One thing I like about German culture often is getting straight to the point of something. That said, I do uh, notice that it kind of depends on where in Germany you are sometimes. Uh, if I go and visit, for example, my family in Bavaria, I noticed that it happens a lot more there. Maybe it's just because they, like my family, are pretty good at it. They'll chat up like, you know, their cashiers and or their waiters or whatever. They know them in a way, too, because they live in a smaller town. It doesn't happen here in Berlin as much the same way, I suppose. Yeah, I think one of the things I miss most about Scotland is the, the constant social connections you have. So a little bit of banter, eye contact, small talk. And here I'm just desperate for more eye contact and more everyday little chit chat with strangers. I smile at everyone and, and it's not it's not really they think get you're an axe murderer. I get nothing I get yeah. nothing back. Yeah. They yeah. think I'm like coming on to them or something. You know? <laughs> well I think that um it, it'd be nice to see some more like general courtesy here. Mm, absolutely. I would, I would say, you know, as you mentioned, you know, door openings or kind of eye contact or just a you know a friendly gesture. It doesn't mean that you have to get into a big long chat <laughs> with a stranger, just maybe general courtesy might be nice, nicer to see in Germany, I would agree. Let's hear the second part of our interview with communications trainer and etiquette expert Nandine Maiden, who we spoke to a couple of weeks ago about tipping culture in Germany. I started off by asking Nandinha if small talk really exists in Germany. So if you compare, you know, Germany with the US, so uh, you have a lot of situations where people definitely don't do small talk. So, for example, when they are waiting in line at the in the supermarket um, because they, they have to wait until they can pay. So until they know each other, they don't talk to each other. So only when they meet a neighbor or a friend in the supermarket, they say, hey, hi, how are you? It's a long time. I didn't see you. So then they talk to each other, but not with strangers. And it's exactly the same when you're waiting for a bus or you have to go to the doctor and you're sitting there. Usually people don't talk to each other. So they listen mm -hmm. to their music, they look into their, you know, smartphones, or they just stare, you know, into thin air, daydreaming, or I don't know what, but usually they don't do small talk. People do small talk. So when there are neighbors, 
So and they meet, you know, when they do some some work in the garden and say, oh, yeah, it's now time to start with work in the garden, something like that. And of course, in the business life. So in the business life, they do it. But, you know, in an average meet or in a typical meeting, so there's a research done and they show that, you know, in the beginning, if people know each other, so they have only three minutes in Germany for small talk. And then immediately they jump to the first topic of um, the meeting. Okay. So in some meetings, people have more small talk, but it depends a little bit on the business area. So, for example, people in IT, mathematicians don't do that much small talk. But of course, when you work in a field, in a business field where communication is quite important and you are communicating the whole day, then you have a reason you know, to be in this kind of area. And then people like to talk to each other. And then it could be that they spend more time in the beginning of the meeting um, to have small talk. But, you know, colleagues usually have small talk when they meet each other on an in the ale, when they have lunch or they go to a room where there's a coffee machine to, to get some coffee. So then they, they have small talk. So small talk exists in Germany, but I have to agree most Germans don't like it very much and they try to avoid it. That's so interesting. And and is there a small talk subject, a good German small talk subject? What is what should we turn to? Well, of course, again, I have to say it depends a little bit. So it depends a little bit, especially in business situations, how much you would like to share from your personal and your private world. Because a lot of Germans, they think, especially older Germans, so my private life, doesn't mix with, you know, my business life. And they don't talk so much about what they did on the weekend during the holidays or whatever. But, you know, let's say younger people, they just talk about, you know, uh, what they did on the weekend or kind of what kind of films they like to watch right now, series they're really waiting for, for the next, you know, to come. Or they talk about their children, so something like that. Most Germans don't like to talk about um, the weather so much because most Germans think it's so superficial to talk about the weather. So <laughs> when I'm giving a seminar, it's it's quite hard for me to explain. So um, if we don't know each other very good, so then we don't start with a philosophical discussion because I have no idea whether you like that or not. We just start with something which is obvious and which is easy to find, and that could be the weather. So, and when we talk about the weather, then I learn a little bit about you, because maybe you mentioned, so yeah, it's really bad because, you know, so um, with all the snow, I like you to jog three times per week. So, but, you know, I couldn't go, and now I have to go to the gym. So then, ah, I'm learning, you like sports, you like to, to go outside, and uh, you don't like uh, the gym so much. And then I can ask you, um, what kind of gym do you go? And how long are you running? And when did you start running? You know, so then immediately we have another topic. And for Germans, at least for most Germans, this is quite difficult to understand that you just need an opener. Um, so, and then you can talk about a lot of things, but you know, somehow we have to start. That leads us nicely to our last topic of the day. And I thought we could chat about some cultural things that are starting to change in Germany. I feel like we've got a theme to this podcast. We're talking about changes a lot. Such and changes. <laughs> exactly. And some things that probably won't change at all. 
So our colleague Imogen has been writing about this. Um, we've been discussing it in the team. And guys, I'm going to start with what I think is changing quite a bit in Germany. And it's the topic of eating meat. Because as you might know, I'm mostly a vegetarian or a pescatarian, except sometimes I do have a Bradford or burger, but not all the time. And I do think that Germany has become much more veggie friendly in recent years. I think a really good example of this is that Deutsche Bahn from this year started offering a vegan currywurst on its high-speed train restaurant. Yeah, I'm the same as you. I'm also vegetarian, pescatarian, and I've noticed that as well and welcome it. One thing I've noticed is that you used to have to more or less go to a dedicated vegetarian or vegan restaurant a lot of the time mm -hmm. to uh, get food options that you knew were actually good for vegetarians mm. and vegans. And I think that we've seen a lot more general restaurants, mainstream restaurants, get in on you know having veggie-friendly options alongside um, the rest of what's on their menu, which, as a dedicated meat eater myself, I very much appreciate because it makes going out with uh, a lot of my friends who are vegetarian or vegan that much easier in terms of finding a restaurant that we will all actually like. So it's something that I welcome too. So what else is changing? Well, another thing that is definitely changing is how much the English language is creeping into the German language. And that's from the Bundestag to the playground. You hear more and more English words being inserted into a German sentence. The youth word, the German youth word of the year last year was cringe. We've also heard politicians using phrases like out of the box thinking and game changer. And yeah, it's really interesting because the German language also remains one of the big barriers to people coming here to work. And as we know, Germany has a big worker shortage at the moment. So it makes me wonder Will it be the case in the future that in the big cities, the German language may well die out? Because there's a lot of talk about, you know, Bürgerämter, the authority immigration offices should change their language to English or at least offer English as a language that more jobs should be offered in English to attract foreign workers. So I think that's definitely changing and it will be interesting to see how much it develops in the future. Oh, poor Sarah. German's not going to die out. I, I, I will be devastated, of <laughs> no, course. I don't, think, I don't think it will either. <laughs> we got for... you. We'll keep, we'll keep it alive. Yeah, I don't think it will either, for reasons that I'm going to talk about in a minute. Um, but one thing that I notice changing in Germany, although I will say very, very slowly, but still changing, we're getting more card payment options in Germany. Recently, a few months ago, we had a poll come out indicating that for the first time ever, more than 50% of Germans actually prefer to pay with card. It was, I think, maybe 54-55% have a first preference of, of paying with card. That's much less than many other countries, so there's still a ways to go, but the critical mass of that halfway point has been reached. <laughs> and I get the feeling, though, that this is a change that is being forced on many retailers, whether they are shops or bars or restaurants. It feels like they're being dragged, kicking and screaming, into the 21st century sometimes. As they should be. If I'm honest. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really frustrating how much resistance there still seems to be to this. So I say 
My card is and should be fine. No, I do not want to go to the ATM half kilometer away because you can't change a 50 euro note at a cash only establishment where you should have plenty of change in your float. <laughs> so, so let's keep dragging, no matter how much kicking or screaming is encountered. It's 2023. Enough of this. Yes, amen. Move on. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and what about things that seem to be remaining the same in Germany, guys? What do you think? Well, contrary to what Aaron just said, I think that with the exception of of card payments, digitization is. I mean, it's happening very in some very small places, but I think that the German love affair with paper is never going to end. I think. <laughs> I think I would actually generally agree with that in terms of you know digitalization. I mean, mentioning digitalization when you're asked what you don't think will ever change in Germany feels like you know a cop out. It feels like playing this game on easy mode <laughs> because it's. Just, but we just cannot not do it, right? I mean, um, mm -hmm. I think one of the reasons why I said earlier that I don't think that the German language is going to die out is because of the Bürgeramt, our favorite, oh. our favorite German institution. This is the last German institution that will ever change, <laughs> and one of the things that we note about it. Is that it is an institution that notoriously refuses to use English, despite whatever suggestions there is. But let's talk quickly about registering yourself online. You know, your new yeah. apartment. Even this is apparently impossible again now, which is strange. Because it was miraculously possible during the pandemic through some inexplicable act of witchcraft or sorcery that we call the internet. He's not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> but now there's been like a choice to go backwards again, and ultimately it's still a because two month they love wait. It. Yeah. They love it because they just they want. Love they love paper. Yeah. That's why. Because yeah, can't get they, enough paper. They want you to show up in person with paper. Yes. There is no sending things through email. That would be too easy. That would make that. Yeah, I mean, it's just they. It makes them happy. Just give them some paper. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. just way too deep rooted in the German tradition, the German soul. Mm -hmm. the love yeah, of paper. it's funny because I did register online in one of my in my old flat during the pandemic, and when I tell you it was the most simple thing that I have ever done in Germany, it was. It was. Just put my documents in an attachment, send. I got it back. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and now we don't get to do that again anymore. <laughs> we don't get to have nice things. <laughs> yeah, we don't deserve it. <laughs> right. So ultimately, once again, it's still a two-month wait for a Bürgeramt appointment in Berlin, partly because you must go in person to do this registration that could per be perfectly well done online. Frankly, as unacceptable as that is, this is something that no one seems to be in any great hurry to change. This is true. And guys, I would just add that one thing I think will never change in Germany is the love of drinking alcohol outdoors, whether it's Oktoberfest, whether it's in the park, on the U-Bahn. Germans will be drinking a beer or any other alcohol outdoors, and we love it. And that's why we love Germany. That's, yeah. Absolutely. This right. is something we hope doesn't change. And I mean, yeah. the, the other thing is, is that this is... This whole idea of the natural state of a happy German being outdoors drinking alcohol mm. is an all-season thing. Oh, absolutely! It was about it was about zero degrees in Tempelhof a few weeks ago, and Germans were out there dressed in big jackets with beer. 
And then there's Gluevine at the Weihnachtsmarkt, you know, my favorite place, obviously. But <laughs> there's that, too. It's colder than zero. and <laughs> Yeah, and it's almost beer garden season. We're looking forward to that. Yeah, you can find us all outside with a beer in one hand and a piece of paperwork in the other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at Café Am Neuense, waiting for our Burgamt appointment, or having just come from there. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you to all our listeners. And as always, we'll add links in the show notes for the stories we've been talking about. And if you liked what you heard today, please leave a review or a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you to this week's panelists, Sarah McGill and Aaron Burnett, and to our sound engineer, Reese Edwards. We hope you enjoyed listening and we'll be back again next week. Until then, take care. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.